There we go. How about that? <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Oh, I, I tried to turn it off between services, and obviously I did something weird with it uh, when I tried to turn it back on, because <clears throat> I am weird, right? Um, uh, let, let me mention to you something before I begin the message this morning. Um, coming up on Wednesday night, June the 2nd. Now, it, it, plug that into your calendars because it's going to be a little harder to remember because it's right after Memorial Weekend. Uh, but Wednesday night, June 2nd, is going to be our next gathering with Antioch in North Tulsa. Um, it's going to be, uh, you know, it's it, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> it's going to be a, a wonderful evening together. We're going to be going up there. We're going to be meeting outside, uh, Lord willing, and the creek literally don't rise. Um, uh, we'll be meeting outside together with them. And uh, as you know, this is, that is the week in which we acknowledge uh, the centennial of the Tulsa Race Massacre. I encourage you to, to look at that uh, calendar of events and to participate in, in any of those other things that are taking place uh, in conjunction with that. Uh, but again, we are going to uh, spend that time together with Antioch. Uh, on that evening of Wednesday, June the 2nd, uh, there'll be child care here at the church. Uh, we'll start at, at 6.30 at Antioch. Uh, drop your children off anytime after 6 or anytime from uh, before at 5.45, one, I think, at that point. We'll, we'll get more information to you. But please, uh, write that down in your calendars. It's going to be a, a very, very special evening together. You know, but before we shut down, uh, one of our, our, our last gathering with Antioch was planned uh, right before, or planned, <laughs> we planned it, and then we had to shut down. So we weren't able to, to meet with them. So we very much looking forward to this time together. <clears throat> We need each other. We need each other. There's a group of 33 research scientists that worked together from Dartmouth Medical School and the Institute for American Values, and they were trying to determine the relationship, <clears throat> the relationship <clears throat> pardon me, between human development and community. And they published their results in, in a, a report entitled Hardwired to Connect. And this was their simple conclusion. We are biologically primed to find meaning through attachment to others. <laughs> People are hardwired to connect. You know, don't you love it when modern science finally catches up to the Bible? <laughs> I mean, God made that clear what we talked about just a couple of minutes, a couple of a couple of weeks ago. God addressed that whole issue back in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter two, uh, when God the first crisis that happened after creation. God looked at something, and for the very first time, He said something was not good. He said in verse eighteen, "It is not good for man to be alone." And you remember he chose to resolve that aloneness at that point. He went to Adam one day and he said, Adam, he said, man, I'm about to present to you the most incredible creation yet, but it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. Adam said, oh, what could I get for a rib? <laughs> so God created marriage, then God created family, then God created community community. And then you come to the New Testament, and God created a whole new community. He created His church. 
God knew that the good life is found only in community together. So again, he gave birth to the church, and what an amazing birth it was. You know, when, when babies are born uh, in the hospital, they're, they're given what's called an APGAR score. This is something invented by a lady named Virginia APGAR back in 1952, where in just the first few moments uh, after birth, a baby, is, their, their wellness and their well-being, their health is measured at, at that point, just in the first few moments, and, and the highest score you can get is a 10. Well, God gave a score of 10 on his spiritual Apgar Apgar test to the brand new church. It's born in Acts chapter 2. It was about 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it was on the day, uh, on the the 50th day after the day, what was called the day of Pentecost, in which uh, Jews from all over the known world at that time came to Jerusalem to celebrate the first fruits of harvest. And during that 50-day period, the followers of Christ had been in prayer together. They'd been awaiting the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit promised by Jesus that he would send the Holy Spirit to them when he ascended to heaven. And so on that morning of the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit arrived. He came with power with power. And the Holy, you remember the apostles went out into the crowds and they began to speak to the crowds about Christ and and the people heard them speaking to them in their own native languages. I mean, even their hometown dialects. And they wondered what in the world is going on. They even accused the disciples of being drunk. And so Peter got up and he began to preach about Jesus and he preached the sermon of his life. And we are told that when he concluded in Acts 2, verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I mean, can you imagine going from a handful of people, essentially, to over 3,000 all in one day? It was an explosion of the birth of this new church, but it was a healthy birth, Verses 42 to 47 describes this healthy daily life of those who were a part of it. Listen, in fact, as I read this, listen closely because I'm going to ask you a question about what you particularly observe when I get done reading it. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, Aside from the pronoun they, what word did you hear repeated, really just in in the matter of just a couple of verses right there? Three times. Together. Together. Verse 44, all the believers were together. Verse 46, they continued to meet together. Second part of verse 46, they broke bread in their homes and ate together. Hence, you cannot live the good life that God intends for you to live apart from being together, together in his church. 
See, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he essentially spiritually hardwired you to be in his church, in that new community of his church. That's why you're here today. But during this pandemic, I'm afraid that Satan has pulled off a, a unique deception. See, many Christians unknowingly, I think, for the most part, have been drawn in to what one conservative theologian calls counterfeit communities. These counterfeit communities consist of their political tribes, where their convictions are more informed by their personal social media outlets than by the Bible. And during this pandemic, many Christians have tragically tragically chosen to find their sense of belonging in those counterfeit communities rather than in God's community, in the church family. And very sadly, one of the reasons for that is that a church family is much more diverse. If it's not very diverse, it's not what it's supposed to be. That's what church is supposed to be. But diversity can sometimes be a little bit uncomfortable. And as a result, many have chosen the comfort of those counterfeit communities where there is no diversity, in spite of the fact that there is ultimately a much greater, a much deeper commonality in Christ found in the church. And it is the only place where a shared mission is found in Christ. Again, you cannot live the good life apart from living it together in the community of Christ's church. Now, notice what fueled their togetherness in that first newborn church. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Their togetherness was fueled by what? Devotion, devotion. That word means a binding promise or a binding pledge. In other words, they bound themselves not only to God, to God, but to one another as well. Community, any kind of community, is built upon devotion. You cannot build a biblically functioning church without it. I mean, think about it. When a couple gets married, what's the, the, the central focus of the ceremony? It's when they take their vows. It's when they they make their promise to God and to one another. In fact, that's why membership is important to us here at Southern Hills. A church that is built on a church, a church is built on people who are devoted, who say, "I will be devoted to God and to my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ here in this church." Again, that's the only way you can build a biblically functioning community. Devotion to your church, just as in marriage, it has to do with enduring or sticking to something even when you don't feel at times, even when you feel at times that it would be easier not to do so. Devotion is a powerful, powerful force. And a part of what that means is that when you see a need in your church, when you see a need in this church, 
Don't just gripe or whine or complain about it or, or even leave. But be devoted. Do something about it. Put yourself forward to make a difference in such a way to address whatever that need might be. Devotion also means, at times, doing what you don't really feel like doing. You know, this pandemic, <clears throat> very gratefully, as more and more are vaccinated, and I know there's different opinions about that, but I encourage you to get vaccinated, is winding down. It is. Last week, the CDC announced that for those who have been vaccinated, there's no need to wear a mask, either outside or inside. In other words, it's safe to go back in the water. <laughs> now, let me say, if you are uniquely susceptible to COVID, as in have some kind of severe immune deficiency, please stay safe. Please. But more than one of our folks have been very honest with me and shared that their struggle in physically coming back to church after all these months of watching online has nothing to do with COVID. It has everything to do with just being able to watch while enjoying eating Captain Crunch in their pajamas. <laughs> like the guy in this picture. <laughs> Obviously crunching a little too loud for his family there. It looked like they're waiting for him to take him to church. <laughs> and listen, I understand. I mean, it is so easy, isn't it? You don't have to worry about getting dressed. You know, if you're a woman, you don't have to worry about putting on your makeup. If you're a man, you don't have to worry about shaving, putting on deodorant. <laughs> if you have kids, you don't have to worry about getting them dressed and fed before you leave for church. And not to mention, having, you know, listen to them fussing and fighting on the way to church and then having to get them deposited once you get there. But here's a question to think about. In, in addition to the incredible value of being present, which I'm going to get to here in just a moment, do you think that God may even have a purpose with what it takes to get here? Just tuck that away and think about it. Well, today, <clears throat> Sunday, May 16th, <laughs> I am officially declaring that two weeks from today, Sunday, May the 30th, is the last day of Pajama Church. <laughs> PJC will be closing. <laughs> now, 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 please don't misunderstand. I, I'm, we're going to continue to live stream, and we're going to our worship service and, and Zoom, our, our life groups, and what an incredible blessing it has been to have that kind of technology available to, during this pandemic. Absolutely. <clears throat> and how grateful we are to our tech teams and all those that help make that possible week after week. We're going to continue to do that. Because we know that sometimes if you're ill or whatever the case might be, you just simply can't be here. But we still want you to be able to join in regardless. We always, please. But otherwise, if you haven't already, start making plans to come back. Start making plans to come back. If this was a formal invitation, I would say, we request the honor of your presence. This is not formal. So I'm going to say it like this. We need your back ends back here. <laughs> I'll even compromise with you. In fact, one of our leading deacons came up with this idea. You can wear your pajamas to church. 
<laughs> Listen, my, my purpose in saying all this is because God has called me to be your shepherd. Now, he is your good shepherd. I am your grimy one, all right? But he has appointed me to spiritually care for you, to spiritually watch over you, to spiritually protect and guard you. So I'm telling you, your presence here is greatly needed, both for you and for the church. Now, I, I am not trying to guilt you into coming. Guilt is a lousy motivation, and I know you're smarter than that anyway. Again, I want you to be here because I know what your presence can do for you and, again, for our church. Now, as I say that, some are thinking, oh, oh he, he just wants our money. No, 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 no. I want you. You. The Apostle Paul, as he writes, comparing the church to the human body, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, he writes, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ, the church. Verse 27, All of you together, there's that word again, are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And then in a similar teaching in Romans 12, verse 4, he writes, just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of it. And it takes every one of us to make it complete. For we each have a different work to do. So we belong to each other. And each needs all the others. Do you hear what he's saying? God's word is so clear. You are a significant part of this body of Christ. And when you're not here, it's, it's like missing a part of your physical body. I don't know about you, but I assure you, there's not a single part of my body that if, if, if I lost it, I, I wouldn't miss it. I used to say with the exception of my appendix. But, you know, modern science is actually learning that our appendixes have something unique to contribute in terms of protecting the inside of our bodies from infection. <laughs> what the Bible is saying is that when you are not physically here, our church is like a body trying to function without one of its parts. We need you, and you need the church. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of, good, uh, acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You need the motivation and the encouragement that you receive when you're together with one another. You know, the, the church has been called a fellowship of burning embers. You heard that expression before? You know, when, when you build a fire, you stack all the wood together. But what happens when, when you take one of those burning 
embers, burning pieces of wood, and you remove it from the stack and you set it aside. It doesn't take a whole lot of time before certainly the fire goes out, but not much longer after that, it starts to grow cold. When you are not here, when you remove yourself from the church, you are at great risk of growing cold in your faith, much less being able to grow in Christ in your faith. We are not independent. We are interdependent. Dr. Paul Turnier years ago made this statement. He said, there are two things we cannot do alone. One is to be married, and the other is to be a Christian. Growth in Christ does not happen in isolation. It happens in community with one another, together. That's part of the the beautiful mystery of, of God's creation of the body of Christ. Life transformation in Christ happens when we are together. Look again at how that newly born church in Jerusalem was functioning together. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were being done by the apostles. The people were studying God's word together. And and they took what they were learning and they encouraged one another through their fellowship together. And because they were together, they also knew how to pray for one another. I mean, no wonder that they all kept feeling this sense of awe. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Together, the, the needs of each other were met. I, just think about how, how that might have happened. <laughs> you know, just, just imagine uh, they, they gathered together to hear the teaching of one of the apostles, and, and as that time was, was wrapping up, that they were, were, were asking how they can pray for one another, and, and we're going to spend a significant amount of time in prayer together. And <clears throat> when they asked for requests, you know, one man raises his hand and says, you know, Please pray for us. We're from Damascus. We came here to Jerusalem on that day of Pentecost. And when Peter preached, we got saved. And, and we, we wanted to stay here as long as possible so that we could, could learn as much as we could about our, our new faith in Christ. But our resources have all dried up at this point. Our funds are gone. <laughs> That's how they address one another's needs. That's how each one gave, each one participated, so that no one went without. Everyone was provided for. Unless they had been together, they would have never known that. Now, I was reading this week about the the giant sequoia trees in California. You know, they're unique. What? 250, some 300 feet tall, 30 feet wide at the base or so. But they're unique in that their, their root system is very shallow. I mean, no more than 6, 10, 12 feet the max below the ground. And they have no tap root that runs deep that would normally secure the tree solidly in the ground. 
And so you would think that when a big storm came along, that could easily blow over. But it doesn't happen. Because sequoia trees never stand alone. They grow together in groves. And so what takes place is as, they, as their roots go out, they intertwine together with the other trees. And by that, they are able to withstand the storms that come its way. Friends, in the same way, that's a wonderful picture of God's creation of the church, where we entwined our, with our lives entwined together, are able to weather the storms of life, are able to meet the needs of those around us. Well, finally, in, in verse 46 of Acts 2, he says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. You see, it, it's when we are together as God intends for us to be together. It's when we are together that we most clearly and convincingly demonstrate the reality and the truth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to the world around us. Plain and simple. And when we do that, look what can happen. He says, and the Lord added to their number daily, daily, those who were being saved. When we live the good life together as God intends, that good life begets more life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the um, amazing miracle of the church, for the incredible joy that we have of being able to share together with one another in this body of Christ. Father, we pray that as, as we seek to live the good life together more than ever before, that truly we would have the joy of seeing life beget life. Now, this morning, if you are, are listening online, I, I want to invite you to let us know how God is at work in your heart or here in this room. If you just simply, simply send us a text to 97,000, one word, SHBC next, a form will come up where you can indicate whatever that might be. I would particularly ask you this morning if God may be leading you to join our church at this point. Again, membership is simply a statement of devotion. In this case, devotion to God's people here. We welcome you with open arms. Lord, again, we thank you. We thank you for the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.